This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk. Hello and welcome. The last time this season to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and you're joining me after the Raptors Game 7 loss. A heartbreaker, as it were. Losing 92-87 to against the Boston Celtics. A hodgepodge of live turnovers. A lack of shot making. And in general, a game where the Raptors had to scrape and claw just to get to the finish line. And to get there, coming in second. Yeah, it sucks. But in this series, the Raptors, they very clearly didn't have it. They have it in the sense that it is the winner's mentality. They have the winning stuff. Their compete level is off the charts. But as far as it, the shot making, the level of creation just wasn't on par with Boston in this series. And they had so many humps and hills to climb over to get their shots. Whereas we saw so many times in this series, Boston getting into the middle of the floor, passing out. You see a pump fake against a crazy closeout, a sidestep three that's wide open. The Raptors, for their part, not really able to get those easy to create, easy to convert jump shots the whole series. And this was, you know, this is what happens. You can't scratch, scrape, and claw your way in every single game. At some point, the shot making it's going to rear its head. And if it's not for your team, you're most likely going to be on the losing end. And not to mention that the Raptors' chief shot maker in this series, Kyle Lowry, who did so much heavy lifting, who was an absolute menace for the Celtics. They they hated playing him. He was so affecting on the court, and his, his performance was so masterful. He fouled out. The Raptors had to score to catch up late, and they just did not have the offensive firepower. And that was that was it. That last play, I know everybody's upset about. The Raptors tried to run that hammer play. You saw Norm scoot to the corner, but the Celtics sniffed it out, switched Brown onto Van Vliet. Eventually, Van Vliet dripples out. Nurse doesn't want to call the timeout, wants to keep it. They're down 90-87. There's like 28 seconds left, so they keep the timeout. Fred dribbles out, gets a little pick and roll with Serge, gets a switch onto Grant Williams, throws up an air ball, and that's pretty much the season. But it wasn't just the shot making, of course. If the Raptors don't have so many live turnovers in this game that jumpstart the Celtics in transition, then we they probably would have won the game. That rebound that Tatum grabbed late, where Powell kind of got pushed down, and then he 
fouled Tatum when he was going up for the rebound. After Grant Williams missed both free throws on the foul where Kyle fouled out and you're not getting the rebound, it's unacceptable. You've got to block out. These are the things that win games. You have to grab the rebounds late. You have to close the defensive possessions. And Pascal Siakam, I think it was four live ball turnovers, five altogether, and almost every single one correlated with a layup or made shot on the other end for the Celtics. When you have Siakam and Weave as fans and they as, you know, the organization and he himself, there's so much invested into him and who he's going to be and what he resembles as a player and what they build around going forward. It's disappointing to see not a bang, but a whimper kind of end to the season. And the same goes for Kyle fouling out. But Kyle, it would have been nice to see him ended on his own terms, but That was how things shook out down the stretch. The Raptors didn't have the shot creation. The things that were problematic all series showed up in this game and they fought through them and they do a great job of scheming defensively and trying to win every other battle on the court. Only in this game, they didn't win the transition battle. They didn't win the turnover battle and they gave up too many offensive rebounds that should have otherwise been grabbed and sent up the court for pseudo-transition, or even just eliminating the two points that Boston would have gotten from it. They can hang with the Celtics when they have shot creation if they win in the other areas of the court. In this game, that just wasn't the case. And so 92-87, that was it. The Raptors, the defending champions, the run ends here. And the Celtics will go on to play the Heat. Gordon Hayward will likely be back. He's finished his quarantine. He was a huge part of the Celtic season. He was actually, I know the optics of his politics have a lot of fans like upset with him, but on the court stuff, he was a fantastic player and underrated for the Celtics this year. So that's a huge addition for them. And Jimmy Butler was probably cracking a smile and sitting back and loving to watch these two teams just smack the ever loving hell out of each other, knowing that he got to go after whoever was waiting at the end. And so, yeah, the Celtics, they'll, they'll they'll take them on. But I'd like to thank you for listening all season, presumably. Or if you picked up this podcast late and just liked how I walked through games, thank you for listening. Having your ear is very important. I love doing this job. And everybody who's listening, which is you right now, you enable me to do this at least somewhat for a living. And that's that's fantastic for me. So thank you for listening. I'll take us to the start of the game and and we'll walk through it. So strangely, Kyle Lowry opens up the game with a triple and that was his only three-pointer of the game. Typically with Kyle, if he makes one early, he's going to make a couple throughout. But in this case, in this game, that just didn't happen. Mark was working on the short roll early, although the Raptors, it was clear. Because if you are going to Mark on the short roll, I think that's his secondary type of action you want to run with him or maybe even third type of action because you you like the corner offense that he brings if he's going to be dangerous and if the Celtics aren't going to go under everything on offense or if they're doing the dribble handoff stuff if one of Smart or Brown or Tatum isn't climbing over the top of picks which they were quite good at in this series so the corner offense wasn't particularly effective which was disappointing and Mark not having the three-pointer whatsoever he only hit two in seven games, that's an extremely disappointing result, especially considering that the Celtics really played off of that. They couldn't drop low. 
and Tice got to hang back and they weren't punished for it. The Celtics got to hound all of the Raptors pitch plays up top, that included Mark, all of the dribble handoffs, any pick and roll. He just mitigated the type of success they could have on offense. And it really broke down a lot of the Raptors above the break looks and how they're able to create in those situations. So that was a problem early. He did hit a couple on the short roll in this game, but that was more so due to the creation of like Kyle and Fred. So yeah, he did score, but the problems were out early and defensively he wasn't as best either. So it's easy to identify the Raptors are struggling offensively off the start, largely due to not being able to get any spacing from picks and the Celtics generally just not respecting the Raptors shooting. So what happens next? Uh, They try and force a little bit. They can't create anything with their guards in the pick and roll action. So they give the ball to Pascal. What happens with Pascal? He forces it a bit. He has those patented turnovers that we saw in this series where he gets into the lane, gets stripped, or leaves his feet and makes a pass that sends the Celtics straight up the court directly into transition points. That happened in the first quarter, and it was really disappointing because the Raptors can clearly survive Pascal missing shots. They cannot survive him very unintentionally, but very regularly and consistently providing the Celtics with transition looks like that. It just, they don't score enough against the Celtics defense to be giving them opportunities in transition. And in this game, 28 points, I believe off of turnovers, the Celtics scored. That was the death stroke. That was the hammer blow that sucked. And Pascal contributed to that in a big way. We saw that in the first quarter. And so the Celtics, they started getting downhill The Raptors are getting tired. They're getting a little bit frazzled because they can't create anything offensively. So the threes start coming from the Celtics, and it's 19-7. And big credit to Nick Nurse. He yanks Gasol and Siakam really early. We're talking like eight minutes into the game. Norm comes in, Serge comes in, and that is a wonderful decision because Serge was like a man on fire. He's not been great defensively in this series, But I thought his defensive game in this one, super, super impressive. And offensively, he's been lighting the Celtics on fire. He directly goes into a post-up, makes the most of his opportunity in there. He hits from downtown. He's pressing the Celtics on their own defensive glass, kind of mucking everything up for them and just completely through the rhythm of the game back towards the Raptors, providing them with an inside threat, adding a little bit of duality to their offense because they never had more than two things going on at once and typically no more than one thing. So having two with Surge, that was a big deal. Norm kind of scoots to the rim in transition. Things are looking good. So the Raptors give up a 13-0 run, but they come back and they close on a 20-7 run. And here's the thing. That looked great for the Raptors early. To not be down after the first quarter, it almost made me think like, okay, handle the game and you'll win it. All you have to do is take care of the ball and make sure that the shot disparity isn't massive like it ended up being and you're going to win the game because you can manage the game against the Celtics. Your defense does a good enough job of taking shots away from their primary creators and sending them to guys like Smart or semi Ojale or Grant Williams, or Jalen Brown, and then you you can handle the game. But that wasn't the case. That just did not happen. So they go 27-26 into the second quarter, which was great, but the second quarter was, was bad. 
I suppose I should say the latter half of the second quarter, of course, because the Raptors jumped out to that 40 to 33 lead. Things looked good. Ibaka had that huge putback. He Pascal scored on a screen action, which was incredibly nice to see. And so we're watching the Raptors who seemingly are getting really great things out of Ibaka and especially on the defensive end, which is huge. And then we're seeing things out of Pascal as well, which is also huge. And it's not just these static, horrible post-up possessions where, or even just ISO possessions at the top of the key. That's, that's bad basketball, and the Raptors had to resort to it far too often. But that's what we started getting. Serge and Mark go in. Nurse decides to go with the two-big lineup. Really horrible offensive stretch falls. Six of eight trips in that stretch included a turnover. The Raptors surrendered the lead. They went down by three in that, in that span. They gave up an 11-0 run. It, it was really tough to watch because it felt like the Raptors, if you stay in the lead from that moment, like you can run this wire to wire. You just have to handle the game. And not making shots, as we've seen, you know, I've said this too much on the podcast already. I've said it a million times. But take care of the ball. Things might have ended up a little bit differently. In this game, that's obviously not the case. They give up offensive rebounds because they're playing so much zone. They can't locate the guys flying in from the wing. They're giving up threes. They're giving up transition looks and pseudo transition looks. And they go into halftime losing. And the big complaint from the first half, I think, was that too much of the offense was in Fred's hands. Not enough was in Kyle's hands. I believe Kyle hardly hardly shot the ball at all in that first half. He had that opening triple, but otherwise not receiving a lot of the possessions, maybe saving himself for late in the game, which turned out to be obviously not ideal because he fouled out, even though he had a great stretch in the second half. And I think his ability to get to the rim still transformative for the Raptors offense. And that's something he did in the third quarter. We saw, even though the Celtics, and for the love of God, the Raptors, you have to be able to adjust in the micro, the minute details of the game. And it was only Kyle Lowry pretty much at the end. And Pascal Siakam picked it up defensively. And OG typically doesn't really do the fly-by corner threes. But here's the thing. The Raptors in this series got got because the Celtics realized that a big part of the Raptors blitzing hectic defense is that they give like hell when they run to close out. They, they always jump. So the Celtics were getting wide open shots by that pump fake and a little sidestep. If another guy came to contest, they just passed it off. Then you'd have two guys behind you. You can work it downhill or you can swing it to the opposite corner or you can just shoot the jumper. And the Celtics, they adjusted. They realized what the Raptors were doing. And it took the Raptors a little bit too long in this game to realize, okay, we need to close out under control. And that adjustment came a little bit too late. But they did suppress the three-pointers once they started doing that. But it just it was a little bit too late, man. And that, that was disappointing. But as I said, the Celtics, they're doing things offensively. Good things. Kemba is getting loose a little bit off the pick and roll. Tatum hits a pull-up three. Brown hits a nice midi after cutting to the baseline. But the Raptors, they have their counterpunch, as they often do. Powell gets some free throws. He works his way to the line. Ibaka scores on a post-up. Lowry is getting to the bucket repeatedly. He looks great, and he looks like 
he can he can handle whoever the Celtics have trying to guard him downhill. He just needs a screen. He needs that space. And whether it's Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Daniel Tice, he's going to get the corner. He's going to use that big booty to bounce him out of the way and have that controlled layup finish that we like to see. That was his finishing at the rim, I thought, in this series was unbelievably good. And so we saw that in the third quarter. And then Fred hit a massive bucket, which just leans more into the idea that I think a lot of Raptors fans have. That is Lowry on ball, Fred off ball. Fred is maximized as a combo guard. It really suits his game well. And in this game, it was a problem during the Raptors droughts offensively. Fred had too much of the ball. He's forcing things at the rim and could not score there. He had, I think, two layups made in this game, but he, he I think he had like eight attempted, if not more. And most of the time he's getting pinned at the bucket or wildly out of control. He doesn't have a floater in the bag. He doesn't control while going downhill like Kyle does. So passes aren't there. He just has to go straight to the rim. So it's it's disappointing. And a lot of the droughts were part and parcel of Fred having too much of the ball. But at the same time, Fred's three-point shooting was a saving grace of the offense. He added a a massive dimension to what they needed, especially when they can't score in this game. Having Fred be able to knock one in from 28 feet with the snap of a finger, like him being able to work it from downtown was a huge part of the Raptors offense. So as was the case with a lot of players in this game, it was good and bad. And that's the Raptors just had not enough players who were just doing good stuff. The mix, it was too deadly for the Raptors. And Tatum and Powell, they trade a couple of triples going into the fourth quarter. The Raptors are down 72-71, and things look good. I was fairly optimistic because the Raptors were down four, and then they ran a nice little set to get Powell loose. Powell hit the three, and I was like, okay, they're running the sets. Their shot makers are going to be shot makers down the stretch. Things are going to happen. It's going to be good. But the turnovers reared their ugly head in the fourth quarter. They give up a 7-0 run immediately. And it's just, it's hard to watch because you watch Pascal Siakam go into his face-up game because so often early on in this series, he was doing the post-ups and just missing. So he's going into this face-up game and he's trying to get an edge. And he did score a couple baskets late. But the turnovers, man... That send the Celtics into transition. That rears its ugly head. Kyle Lowry is taking the breaks off a little bit too. He's having, he's taking a little bit of a break because he's obviously tired. He's played a lot in this series. He's expended a lot of energy. And so Fred, once again, with a lot of these possessions and the Raptors just get absolutely smacked out of the gates in the fourth quarter. And they never, ever got back from that. That was the run that absolutely did it. It wasn't the end of the game where the Celtics couldn't score and the Raptors couldn't score because neither team could score down the stretch. The the defenses completely X'd each other out. It was the fact that the Raptors let the Celtics bust out immediately and get that huge run. And in a game where you can't score easily at all and you're running out of options, that sucks. Because if you have to play catch up late, suddenly your defense just even if you aren't allowing a single bucket, which they didn't really, you have to score on offense because you put yourself in the hole already. And that that was the case. The Raptors lost delay because of that run. And so, yes, the Raptors go down 10. 
Lowry works his way downhill, gets free throws, scoops to the bucket, 89-87, and it's like, okay, the Raptors might be able to do this. And the way this game broke down at the end was a bunch of really bad decisions from the Raptors. And it was unfortunate that it had to end this way for such an intelligent team. But Powell pushed in transition when he had the edge on smart, but not on the second defender, not on Kemba. And so he pushed the rim and Kemba slowed him up enough. And smart had a blocked by James, like the LeBron blocked by James, like that type of block on him when it was 89, 87 he probably should have pulled out instead of attacking when he didn't have the numbers because the Celtics immediately went up the floor and they didn't score. That wasn't the problem. It was that you just have to revere these possessions in games like this. You have to give the ball to Kyle. And the thing is, eventually in this game, that option wasn't there. They run that Kemba action. He gets going downhill. The Raptors collapse. Kemba makes, honestly, a really great pass to Grant Williams, a, an astounding pass. Grant Williams gets tangled up with Lowry. He, it's an obvious foul, whether it was on the floor or for free throws, whatever, right? Nick Nurse, he throws the challenge flag. Well, he hits the challenge button, and it's an obvious foul on Kyle. Like He completely wrapped Grant Williams' arm. Grant Williams goes to the line. He misses the first Kyle's fouled out, but you have this feeling in your head like the Raptors can score two points. Of course they can. They could even score three. They could score four. That's doable. If Grant Williams misses his second free throw, that's big time. This is really good news. And the heartbreaking aspect of it is Norm Powell was in as the third guy where Kyle Lowry likely would have been, I think, in, in the lineup for that last free throw. Grant Williams gets back rim. It pops out. Norm did not establish the contact first. Tatum kind of ran in, grabbed it. They got tangled a little bit. Tatum went down. Another foul call. And then Tatum splits the free throws. And there's a part of you that's like, okay, Fred's out there. OG's out there. They can hit a three. And they try it, man. They ran a play for Norm Powell, as I said at the top of the podcast. It's that hammer play action that we always love. But the Celtics, they sniff it out. Fred ends up chucking that horrible... Shot, nurse didn't call the timeout, didn't they they just didn't have it late. And then so it's the free throws down the stretch, 92-87. That was the game. That's the season. And that's that's a hell of a way to go out fighting so hard with every last breath. The Raptors are trying defensively, trying to jerry rig, to MacGyver this game with duct tape, bubble gum, barbed wire, chicken wire, whatever, trying to make things happen because they are so bereft of shot making so that was it i guess we'll have to give out the reggie evans award for the last game of the season and it couldn't go to anybody except for kyle lowry the heart and determination that he exhibits every second that he is out on the court it is reggie evans-esque except it's maximized even past that to give kyle lowry the reggie evans award is almost a little bit silly because it Kyle Lowry already embodies everything that Reggie Evans does, but does it at a superstar level. And then you add, you know, shot making and all that onto it. It's fantastic. Kyle Lowry is the greatest Raptor ever. And quite easily, I have no qualms whatsoever about giving him the last Reggie Evans award of, of the season. 
The top quick reaction comment is from moderate underscore observer. Quote, Serge played 20 minutes, scored 14 points. Not good enough for critical fourth quarter minutes when the offense was on fumes? I really don't get what Nurse was thinking there. Trying to play through Siakam, who was terrible all series. End quote. Uh, yeah, I definitely I understand why Nurse wanted to go small because it worked in game six, but especially late when Kyle fouled out, that was when you're really looking at Surge, especially when Surge had such a good defensive game as well. Typically struggled on defense in this series, but in this game, I thought he had a really strong defensive presence. So not having his offense out there, I can see why people would be upset with it, but I also understand why Nurse wanted to run small because that's that's what worked in game six. But totally with Kyle Lowry out, you need as much offense as you can get. And the way that that last possession worked out, where it was just that heave from Fred, it was quite evident they needed some. And as you said, the uh, on fumes at the end of the game, definitely. And quite frankly, on fumes the whole game. But, you know, I guess it's perhaps you were calling for it. Uh, during the game, so I won't say hindsight. I'm sure you wanted Surge in there live. And if you were the coach, that would have been the decision you made. So moderate underscore observer, perhaps the Raptors win in game seven if you're calling the shots. So who knows? But that's it for me. I'll still be doing the weekly podcast, of course. If you still want to listen to me talk about Raptors stuff, there'll be breakdowns of the performances and stuff like that coming. And uh, I guess selfishly, if you want to follow other NBA stuff during the rest of the season. Subscribe to my newsletter with Lewis Atzman. It's called Minute Basketball. It's, I think, really intelligent, really thoughtful, and really fun ideas that we kind of walk out there. So if you want to, feel free to subscribe to that. I'd appreciate it a lot. If you want to leave a uh, glitzy, glamorous review for me on the podcast, which whatever you listen to, Apple Podcasts is typically the most popular. So if you want to leave it there, leave a fantastic review for me, five stars with a nice little comment. That's That would be great too, just as a, an end of season present. But thank you for sticking with me and thank you for listening to me after every game this season. Well, you obviously didn't, but I've been here after every game this season. So listening at all has been super meaningful. So thank you for that. The Raptors, one of the most fun renditions, perhaps the most enjoyable rendition of this team ever. So many likable characters, so many likable men, so much growth during this season, and never underestimate the heart of a champion. So much will to fight and keep going. Their season is over, and the Raptors Reaction Podcast goes with it. Thank you very much for listening, whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night. I've been Samson Folk. Have a blessed day, and goodbye. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.